Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 11th December 2020. This is Ian Haydock. This week we've got news from Ash, more on the first COVID vaccines coming to market and one Japanese firm's big ambitions. Longer term results for Janssen and Legend Biotech's Siltacaptogene Autolucel or Siltacel show that multiple myeloma patients treated with the B-cell maturation antigen-targeting CAR-T cell therapy maintained responses over time. But while the overall response and complete response rates reported on 5th December at the Virtual American Society of Haematology annual meeting are higher than those observed with Idacaptogene Viclucel or Idacel from BMS and Bluebird Bio, Longer-term data for IDACEL show lower incidences of cytokine release syndrome and severe neurotoxicity. Mandy Daxon writes that the BMS Bluebird asset also has the benefit of time, since a biologic license application for IDACEL is already under review at the US FDA, with the 27th of March action date. BMS Chief Medical Officer Samit Hirowat told Scrip that the BLA appears to be on track for an approval by that date. Hirowat did not indicate that the application in the US could be held up by the FDA's limitations on manufacturing inspections due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which may delay approval for BMS's CD19 targeting CAR-T therapy lysocabditine marilucel or lysocell as a treatment for relapsed or refractory large B-cell lymphoma. Such a delay for IDACEL could narrow the gap between the BCMA targeting CAR-T therapy and its competitor Siltacel. Janssen plans to file a US BLA by the end of 2020. As with IDACEL, the agency previously granted a breakthrough therapy designation for Siltacel in relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma. So with an expedited review, the legend Janssen CAR-T therapy could also be approved in the US in 2021. Mandy also reports from Ash that several companies presented results for next-generation B-cell maturation antigen or BCMA targeting CAR-T therapies in relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma, with early data that could give frontrunners BMS Bluebird Bio and Janssen Legend Biotech a run for their money. Allergene Therapeutics presented the first ever clinical trial results at ASH for an off-the-shelf or allergenic BCMA targeting CAR-T therapy, made from donor T cells rather than from each patient's own cells, like the autologous candidates from BMS Bluebird and Janssen Legend. BMS and Bluebird are likely to win the first approval for a CAR-T therapy targeting BCMA on myeloma cells, given the BLA action date of 27th March for their candidate Idacaptogene Viclucel, However, longer-term data for siltacaptogene autolucel from Janssen and Partner Legend showed that response rates continue to outpace results seen with IDACEL. Analysts see the 97% overall response rate and 67% complete response rate among 97 patients treated with siltacel in the Phase 1b to Cartitude 1 clinical trial as a high bar for other BCMA targeting therapies to meet. Janssen plans to submit a BLA for Siltacel to the US FDA by the end of 2020. Updated Phase 1 results from BMS and Bluebird at ASH showed a 76% overall response rate and 39% complete response rate among 62 patients in the CRB401 study, but with a lower rate of cytokine release syndrome and a lower incidence of severe neurotoxicity than seen with Siltacel. 
Next generation BCMA targeting CAR-T therapies aim to improve upon the convenience, response rates, safety and durability of their predecessors through various means. For instance, Allergene's Allergenex therapy ALO715 was administered to 90% of the initial patients in its ongoing Phase 1 universal trial. While it typically takes a few weeks for autologous CAR-T therapy makers to receive, re-engineer and return boosted T-cells to patients enrolled in their trials. Turning to the coronavirus and J&J's COVID-19 vaccine remains on track for a potential authorization in the first quarter of 2021. If the phase 3 trial proceeds smoothly and regulators continue to act swiftly. Though the vaccine is trailing Pfizer's and Moderna's, it could still be a valuable tool to end the pandemic quickly, given the limited supply of the first two vaccines and the fact that J&J's could be the first single-dose option. CEO Alex Gorski reaffirmed the timeline and manufacturing ramp-up for the vaccine during the Milken Institute's virtual Future of Health Summit on 7th December. J&J's vaccine development experienced a small delay in October, when the Phase 3 Ensemble trial was paused following the unexplained illness of a participant. The Phase 3 trial, enrolling 60,000 adults, was allowed to resume two weeks later, though the illness remained unexplained. We remain confident that as we proceed into the first quarter of next year, we will have a clear indication around the profile of our product and around the early results of the trial and enough information to be talking to regulators, Gorski said. There are still issues about the incidence rate on the virus, about the efficacy rate of our vaccine, that will determine exactly what day, what week that occurs. Jessica Mellon writes that in November, J&J also launched a second phase three trial evaluating a two-dose vaccine regimen. The ensemble trial is testing a single-dose regimen, which would be a potential advantage over the vaccines from Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna, which are both two doses. A single dose would also yield a greater vaccine supply. Gorski said, we feel confident in the first half of 2021, we should be able to provide hundreds of millions of doses and by the end of next year, we should be able to have billions of doses available, assuming that our clinical trials prove out the kind of doses we are talking about prove out. Sticking with corona vaccines, Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine appears to offer some benefit after the first dose of the planned two-course regimen. But Pfizer, the US FDA and independent health policy experts say it's too soon to pivot to a one-and-done vaccination campaign. That's because the amount of data on patients with one dose is limited by the short period of time between doses and because a one-dose regimen might not have the same level of durability as a two-dose option. There are also reasons to question how feasible it might be for a company to further study a one-dose regimen when the two-dose version is so solid. Still, Sarah Carlin-Smith writes, some are arguing that given the current uncontrolled disease outbreak in the US, coupled with the minimal initial dose supply, it might be worth rethinking the US government's Operation Warp Speed plan. This is to hold back half the doses of the initial mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, which are allocated to states and local jurisdictions, to ensure that there is sufficient supply for every vaccinated individual to get the required second dose. Pfizer board member and former FDA commissioner Scott Gottlieb argued against holding back any doses earlier in the week. The former commissioner was confident Pfizer would have enough additional doses manufactured by the time the second shot is needed. In an interview, Gottlieb said, in the setting of the crisis, 
knowing the acute phase of this pandemic will play out over the next four to six weeks, do you try to maximise shots in arms? I still think that the right public health approach is to do that. The COVID-19 disease onset rates for clinical trial participants on active vaccine versus placebo start to diverge 14 days after dose one in the Pfizer-BioNTech phase three trial, according to a graph provided by Pfizer and copied by the FDA in briefing documents ahead of the company's 10th December advisory committee meeting. At two weeks, cases steadily accumulate in the placebo group and remain virtually flat in the vaccine arm, Pfizer notes. The second dose is given at day 21. Finally, Takeda highlighted its Wave 1 pipeline at its latest R&D day, saying it sees a group of 12 new molecular entities, all currently expected to be launched by the end of fiscal 2024, helping drive total group revenues to the 5,000 billion yen or about $48 billion level by the end of fiscal 2030. By way of comparison, the Japanese company is forecasting revenues of 3,200 billion yen in the current fiscal year ending next 31st March. President and CEO Christoph Weber admitted in the Wave 1 Pipeline Market Opportunity Call held early on 9th December Japan time that the target was an ambitious but realistic goal, but that he was confident the pipeline can deliver. The main commercial impact is seen coming through in the latter half of the decade. We are also open about other options, which might include bolt-on acquisitions if needed, he added. But the broader focus of the briefing was very much on progressing Wave 1 and maximising currently marketed drugs such as Entivio for inflammatory bowel disease. At least $8 billion in incremental revenue opportunity for the current commercial portfolio of 14 global brands led by Entivio is seen by fiscal 2024, with mid-single-digit CAGR for revenue over the fiscal 2019-30 to 30 period, the CEO said. On the back of continued strong growth, Entivio alone is now seen peaking at the $5.5 to $6.5 billion level, up from $4 to $5 billion previously. In my article, I note that among the Wave 1 assets, Takeda sees the highest peak revenue potential for its Erexin programs for narcolepsy, ranging between $3 to $4 billion in narcolepsy type 1 and $1 to $2 billion for narcolepsy type 2 idiopathic hypersomnia. A phase 3 start for lead molecule TAK994 is envisaged in the second fiscal half of 2021, which ends on 31st March 2022. Other star performers in projected revenue terms include the CAR NK therapy TAK007 in various haematological malignancies, reaching a potential peak of 1.5 billion, TAK755 again up to 1.5 billion for congenital thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura and sickle cell disease, and the dengue vaccine TAK003 which is going up to 1.6 billion potential peak. Taken together, the higher-end peak sales estimates for the 12 assets were disclosed total $13.85 billion, well above the current estimates assigned by analysts. The pipeline is very diverse and in some cases we are working in first-in-class areas or for diseases for which there are no current therapies, Global R&D President Andy Plemp told the briefing adding that he wants to get others as excited as the company is about the pipeline. 
That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. And all these stories in full and much more content is available as part of your subscription. And links to today's stories are also provided in the article accompanying this podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, why not sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing? Bye for now.